in God's holy word to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Hear now the word of the living God. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Thus ends the reading of God's very word. I'm going to ask Elder Eric Schrader, please. Uh, to lead us in prayer. Well, we come now uh, to the end of this portion of God's Holy Word, this first letter of the Apostle Paul to the church there at Thessalonica. And you remember in the book of Acts chapter 17 that when the gospel first came to Thessalonica, uh, there were many who believed, but there was also a fierce opposition to the gospel. Uh, there was a violent reaction. Uh, there was jealousy. There were people, particularly uh, of the Jewish synagogue there, who uh, sought to stamp out the name of the Lord Jesus. And they uh, threatened the Apostle Paul's life. And so he uh, fled from that town down to Berea. And you remember the Bereans were described as more noble-minded uh, than uh, the city as a whole there in Thessalonica because they received the Word of God uh, with eagerness and they examined daily the things that were taught by the Apostle Paul, by the Scriptures. They would take the Old Testament and open it up and, and say, is this what God says? And they would check the Apostle Paul out. And that's what we need to do. Uh, whenever we hear anybody, whether it is me or Pastor Samuel or anybody else, open up God's Word uh, and say, here's what God says. Uh, we need to be like the Bereans. But nonetheless, there were Christians in Thessalonica, uh, the Lord had blessed the Apostle Paul's preaching of the gospel and a congregation of, of Christ-loving 
uh, followers of, of the Lamb were left there in Thessalonica. And he writes now this letter following up um, of, of his love for them. He, uh, you remember earlier in uh, the book said that he yearned to come and visit them again. Um, he said, um, we want to come and, and see how you're doing so that we can help you grow. Um, well, he had already given one benediction. Uh, and what is a benediction? You remember when we looked uh, at the end of chapter 3, and if you'll turn back with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, um, we see the Apostle Paul describing uh, his desire to come uh, and visit them again. Um, he had been hindered. Um, he said uh, the reason uh, that he yearned so was just to make sure uh, that the tempter uh, had not uh, uh, led them astray, away from Christ, but that uh, they were holding fast uh, to the Lord Jesus and growing in Him. And so if you'll look in chapter 3 at verse 6, he says, But now that Timothy has come to you to us from you, and has brought us the good news of your faith and love, and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. And so here you can just see the Apostle Paul's heart of love for the Lord and for these Christians. And he says, uh, we wanted to come over and over, but we were hindered. And I couldn't come, but we sent Timothy. And he now has come back and reported to us how you're doing, that you are holding fast to the Lord. And... I can live. It makes me just rejoice uh, to hear uh, of your testimony. He goes on, uh, verse 8, For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Um, he, he says, we, we yearn to come see you and we want you to grow up in Jesus. Look at verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming 
of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. And so we looked at that benediction. A benediction is a blessing. And God has given his blessing to his people throughout the scriptures. Um, turn back with me to Numbers chapter 6. And um, there are many blessings recorded, benedictions. Blessing and benediction are synonyms. And a benediction is God speaking words that convey His smile, His grace, uh, His favor, His saving uh, uh, work. And here in Numbers chapter 6, one of the tasks that was given to the Levitical priesthood was to pronounce God's benediction, God's blessing upon his people. And in verse 22, we read, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. And so here we see in verse 27 a benediction is God putting His name. The name of God reveals His character, who He is. And when these priests in the Old Testament and pastors in the New Testament would give the benediction, it was God speaking His Word. These are not just empty words, but God's Word is powerful. And God alone can bless you. God alone can bless me. Uh, even though these priests spoke the word, it is God alone who can give blessing. It is God alone who can save. It is God alone who can reconcile people to himself through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And these blessings are ours by the grace of God as we believe in Jesus. Apart from Jesus, there is no blessing. Apart from simple childlike faith, which is the tool that God uses to join us to Jesus Christ, there is no benediction. There's no smile of God upon a person apart from the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. And so here in 1 Thessalonians, I want you to notice what this benediction was that we saw at the end of chapter 3, and then we're going to go over and begin looking at this benediction that is near the end of this book itself. And these benedictions are closely related in terms of 
their topic in terms of the blessing that God gives to us. Both are pointing us to Jesus Christ. Both are pointing us to a great event where Jesus will come again in glory. Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound for one another and for all as we do for you. And you remember we saw the fellowship of God's people and the ministry of the Word of God. That is how God is going to encourage these Christians to keep holding fast to Jesus and growing in Him. Verse 13, so that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all His saints. The blessing of God that is recorded for us here is that God would take these preachers of the gospel and God's people together to be like coals in a fireplace to feed one another, to burn hotter and hotter for Jesus until the day that Jesus comes in glory. That's the blessing of God that we saw at the end of chapter 3. Now, chapter 4 and chapter 5 are just the outworking of that. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Finally, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. Uh, This life of growing up in Jesus is what is in view here. And that this life of following Jesus is something that we grow to love Him and to be closer to Him and to serve Him with greater joy together more and more. Uh, In verse 2, For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us to impurity but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. And so here are two examples of growing in holiness. 
uh, being faithful to the Lord in terms of uh, how we express sexuality, that we are to do so uh, in the bounds of marriage as God defines marriage between a man, a male, and a woman, a female, a husband, and a wife in holy marriage. That's one of the examples he gives uh, to these people who grew up in a pagan culture. And God says, here's what the will of God is for you, your sanctification, your holiness. And the blessing that he had asked God to grant was that they would be established more and more in holiness before the coming of the Lord. The second example he gives is God's people loving one another. Uh, God's people expressing the love of Jesus and sharing it together as they cared for one another uh, in that day. And so it is for us in our day. In verse 11, he goes on to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. A third example or illustration of holiness is to work, uh, to uh, discern your calling, to exercise dominion, and to labor with your own hands in some calling uh, so that you are serving the Lord Jesus and taking care of yourself and taking care of your own family and having the means to minister to those around who are in need. Well, he then returns to this theme that we saw in the first benediction at the end of chapter 3, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. And so there was confusion about the coming of the Lord. And so the rest of chapter 4 that we looked at and the first part of chapter 5 gives practical everyday take-home Therefore, in light of this great event that will happen, that will come like a thief in the night, you don't know when it is, but God says, here's what you need to do in light of this. First of all, comfort one another with this truth that death does not have the victory for those who die in the Lord Jesus. Uh, those who die in the Lord Jesus will be raised First, and then we who are alive will be caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always be with the Lord. God says, comfort one another. And then in chapter 5, he comes back to this matter of, you need to be ready for that day. And the way you're ready is you love Jesus and you are serving Jesus Today, and today, and today, and today. Every day that God gives us, we want to walk as children of light. 
We have all of these practical instructions that God has given to us uh, then at the end of chapter 5. And again, all of these are examples of what it looks like to walk with Jesus. And I just want you to step back and kind of see how all of this fits together. And we've seen in Verse 11 of chapter 5, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Uh, God reminds us of the place of the preaching of the gospel, of the pressing of the word of God upon our hearts, that we are to be instructed, uh, corrected by the word of God. And those who would be faithful, godly, uh, uh, under-shepherds and messengers uh, are going to be uh, uh, admonishing, uh, uh, caring for the sheep, uh, feeding the sheep, the word of the good shepherd, the holy scriptures. Uh, these 66 books, uh, God's infallible, inerrant word. And he comes back now to these uh, practical instructions uh, in verse 13, be at peace among yourselves. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one re repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. All of those are practical examples for us of what it looks like to be pursuing holiness to be ready for the coming of our Lord Jesus. And so, look with me now. Uh, we'll begin looking this morning for just a few minutes at this benediction that we see in verses 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Three things that I would draw your attention to in verse 23. First of all, who is this one who is sanctifying his people. It is the God of peace. The God of peace. Now, why is that so significant? Well, turn with me in Ephesians chapter 2. And the reason why it is such a thrill to think about God describing himself, he's the one who is sanctifying us, growing us up in His Son, making us more and more holy, uh, uh, causing us to be 
more and more conformed to the image of his son. Uh, He's the God of peace. He's the God who has given his son to make peace between us and him, the holy, holy, holy God. In Ephesians chapter 2, we read in verse 1, Here's what we all used to be. Left to ourselves, apart from the grace of God, this is the description of what I am, what you are, apart from the grace of God. What we were, what we would be, if God had just left me uh, as I was. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us In Christ Jesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father." So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, 
Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so that's a description of the God of peace. He has given his son, the Lord Jesus, to make peace between us who used to be dead, but now because God has joined us to his son. And he did so by Jesus coming and preaching peace, the gospel of peace to our hearts. And we've heard the voice of Jesus calling us to turn from living against God and turn to Jesus and embrace Him. And this God of peace is the one who now is blessing His people. Jesus is our peace. Jesus gives us peace first between us and God through the blood that He shed upon the cross that is ours by faith, and peace with those around us. To whatever extent they know the Prince of Peace, and we know and are walking with the Prince of Peace, to that extent we enjoy peace together, a taste of heaven. Now that peace is interrupted and uh, tested and, and challenged in our own homes and in our church family and uh, in the concentric circles of our acquaintances. Uh, but a Christian is somebody who loves to pursue peace with everybody around us. And insofar as it depends on us, as Romans 12 tells us, we delight to live out the peace that God has given to us in His Son with the people around us. The God of peace is the one who is making His people holy. It's the God of peace. And He has laid hold of us and reconciled us to Himself in his Son, the Lord Jesus. And so in this benediction that we have here in chapter 5, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. So that's the first thing. It's the God of peace. Now the second thing is, God calls upon us to be those who grow in peace grow in holiness, to have peace with God is to walk with God. Uh, again, uh, turn with me to 1 John, the book of 1 John. And you can think about holiness is learning to be friends with God. That's what holiness is. It is this picture. You remember in the Old Testament, there was a, a fellow by the name of Enoch. And you remember how he's described. He walked with God. 
Enoch was a man who had close fellowship uh, with the Lord. And and you can read over in the, the book of Jude about one of the things that we know uh, about Enoch's walking with God is he had an eye toward the great day when Messiah, the promised seed of the woman, would come with the flaming mighty angels uh, to usher in the great day of judgment. And Enoch, he lived with an eye on the Christ and his life was motivated and moved. I, I, I want to be found doing the king's business when he comes. I want to be found doing the king's business when he comes. And that's what the God of peace is growing us. Every child of God, he's growing us to have a heart that desires more and more to walk with the king to be found pleasing the King uh, in, in our thoughts, in our motives, in the way we conduct ourselves in our homes, in the workplace, at school, at play, everything we do, we want to please the King. Look at 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Talking about Jesus. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Uh, a, A Christian is somebody who has fellowship with God. That's another way of describing how the Prince of Peace has forgiven our sins, and now he's taking us by the hand as his blood-bought little children, adopted as his own, and he is leading us in his paths. Verse 5, this is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, verse 8, when I was a young Christian, uh, verse 8 and verse 9 were precious promises to me. Verse 8 was precious to me because I uh, became painfully aware of things in my life that were not pleasing to God. And I knew that A Christian should not say and think and do some of these wicked things, like lying and thinking 
uh, impure things. And verse 8 was a great encouragement to me because notice the pronouns. The old apostle John could have said, if you say you have no sin. If you say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But he included himself, and that was what was so encouraging me. Here's the old apostle John who loved Jesus and walked with him. And what does he say? If we say we have no sin. Well, a Christian is not someone who is perfect. Praise God, that is not the definition. <laughs> because if it was, none of us would have any hope, would we? But a Christian is somebody who belongs to Jesus, who is trusting in Jesus, who has been forgiven, who has been adopted, who is being grown in Jesus. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Christian is someone who is confessing not only initially sin, and that's when we turn to Jesus and He justifies us. How many times does God justify you? One time. Where the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ is credited to our bankrupt accounts. Where His perfect sacrifice is credited to us. And we are declared right. It is a judge bringing His gavel down and God justifies the ungodly because we are joined to the righteous one, the Lord Jesus. His sacrifice pays for our sin and His perfect life of obedience is credited to us one time. And that's our standing with God. It depends upon what Jesus has done. But that's not all that God does. He also adopts us. And that also is a one-time act, a legal act, where God as the judge declares, you now have my name, and we are in his family. That doesn't happen over and over and over. Just like justification, it is an act that God does. But there's another aspect to this matter of salvation, and that is sanctification. And that's what these benedictions are focusing on, of God growing us as His own little children. And we see here in 1 John the description that a person who belongs to Jesus can't continue to be at home in sin. Um, one of the songs that our children uh, enjoyed uh, when they were growing up, uh, Isabel is a pig. 
Uh, Isabel is a pig with a ring in her snout. You can dress Izzy up, but you can't take her out. Because when Izzy is let go, you know what she will do? She will, even though she's dressed up in these frilly clothes like a little girl, Izzy will run and jump in a mud puddle because Isabel is a pig. And you see, a Christian is someone who no longer is at home in the mud hole of sin. We now have a new heart, a new nature that God has given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we still at times fall in the mud hole of sin. That is true, sadly. But we can't stay there. We can't stand it. Before we are made a child of God, before we are joined to Jesus, that is where we gravitated. I don't know if you've ever seen pigs eat, but it is a fascinating thing to watch. Don't get too close. Uh, they are ferocious, and they don't just nibble. They just stick their head and their snout down in whatever they're eating, and it just goes everywhere. And they love to wallow in a, in a, 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 a mud hole. Well, that's how we used to be in terms of sin. But now Jesus, he has justified us and adopted us, and he is sanctifying us. And even though at times we still fall into that mud hole, because we are no longer at home, our home is Jesus. Our home is to be close to Him. Our heart delights uh, to please our God. And there are times that we all experience brief spiritual amnesia. I forget who I am. I forget who He is. But praise God, uh, He awakens us. And he says, Henry, what are you doing in that mud hole of sin? That's not your home. You belong to me. Get out of there. And Jesus cleans us up afresh. Uh, he restores us to closeness. Um, he is so gracious and patient and kind. But make no mistake about it. A person who can sin and be comfortable and keep doing it, you know what that is an indication of? Well, let's keep reading. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make here. <coughs> We, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, 
We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And so because God is a God of truth, that's why we don't want to lie. Uh, we, we don't want to do what is against the character of the God who loves us and has forgiven us and adopted us. We're his little children now in Christ Jesus. And that's what this benediction is reminding us and giving to us. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. The God of peace is at work growing us to love Him more and more, to be closer to Him, uh, to bear more of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. To know the paths of Jesus, His holy commandments. And we rejoice to learn And to say, Lord Jesus, you you are the good shepherd. You just take me by the hand and lead me. Here, take me, lead me. Lord, show me, show me, show me your paths. Lord, I'm eager to learn how to please you as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as a child. I'm eager, Lord, to please you in the way I do my schoolwork. When I'm given a chore uh, from my parents, Lord Jesus, I want to learn how to do it better for your glory. In our callings, uh, God gives us the joy to walk with Him. And so this benediction is we're going to see, first of all, it's from the God of peace, and secondly, It is all-encompassing of all of life. God is pressing us into His mold in every facet of our being. And we rejoice. We say, Lord Jesus, I'm yours. You take me and you help me grow up in you. Well, we'll stop there. Uh, But this benediction, oh, it is a blessing indeed. And one of the things that I leave you with is, even in this benediction, just like we saw in chapter 3, the great day when we will give an account is brought forth as a strong motivating factor. Someday we're going to give an account to the king as stewards of our lives, our time, every word we've ever spoken, we're going to give an account 
Oh, how we rejoice to belong to Jesus and how it makes us want to be more and more closer to him. Let's pray. Father, we beg that you would forgive us of our sin. Oh, Lord, the closer we get to you, the more we see uh, how we desperately need you, Lord Jesus, to be our Savior. Oh, Lord, how we thank you for the justification that is ours. The second we believed in you, you brought your gavel down in the courtroom of heaven, and you, the judge of all the earth, declared us right because you have clothed us with the perfect sacrifice of your Son and his perfect life of obedience. Lord, how we rejoice that uh, nothing can separate us from your love. How we thank you that you have adopted us and that you have given us the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. Oh, Lord God, uh, if there be uh, any uh, listening this day, Lord, who are at home uh, in the mud hole of sin, Lord, awaken them to see that they cannot uh, claim to be yours and that, Lord, you would draw them uh, to run and trust in you, Lord Jesus, to be their Redeemer, their Lord, their Savior. Lord, we ask that all of us, that you would give us great joy and excitement that you are smiling upon us as your little children to grow us more and more to please you, to be close to you. And we're excited, Lord, to use the tool of your word. And we beg for your Holy Spirit uh, to take that word And as we read it ourselves, as we read it in our homes, uh, in our our times of of worshiping you as a family, uh, Lord, as we gather together, uh, Lord, we're eager uh, to learn more of you. And so we thank you, O Lord, uh, for this mighty work that you have done and are doing and will doing. Uh, growing us in you, keeping us, restoring us, reviving us. When we stumble and fall, you are so powerful and yet gentle. Lord, to bring conviction upon our hearts and grant us renewed uh, closeness with you as we uh, repent and, and, and trust in you, Lord Jesus. Father, grow us. Make us hungry. Uh, Lord, bless us. Thank you for this blessing. Thank you, Lord, that you're at work and we desire uh, to be closer to you. Bless now as we sing. Uh, Lord, give us your spirit even in the rest of our service this day. In Jesus we pray. Amen.